Hi, Cole here, creator and narrator of The Town Whispers. It's been a long summer, but the leaves once again fall, and with autumn comes longer nights that beg for darker tales. And to fill those long, cold evenings, I've launched a brand new podcast called Tiny Terrors. Tiny Terrors is a nostalgic horror anthology series that is as fun as it is dark. Join three friends as they delve into a forgotten corner of storytelling history and bring to light the darker depths yet still hidden in those often untraveled corners. Subscribe, listen, and review Tiny Terrors wherever you listen to podcasts. The Town Whispers is a narrative horror podcast that will tell the many stories hidden behind the rain and the fog, and the trees of the Pacific Northwest. But it's the snow which hides well-laid plans of a dark nature. That is why listener discretion is advised. swaddled bundle was the night a dark cloud fell over the home. You'd think the death of a father and husband might have been the moment of no return, the moment when the LaPont family was irredeemably damaged, or perhaps even before that when Mildred had been driven mad and walked into a nightmare bog to confront that which she really had no words for beyond God. But no, it was the night that Mildred had brought home her swaddled bundle. That was when the destiny of the LaPont family reached an apex point from which it would never return. Mark LaPont was dead. He'd been dead for some time, in fact. And without his meager income, Peggy and Tom had begun to feel the sting of hunger more often. Tom was older and able to fend for himself, whether that meant stealing or loitering near a friend's kitchen while heavenly thick scents wafted through the air. Tom would be able to survive if things were truly dire. But he still felt the sting when there was nothing for breakfast or nothing for lunch, or those less than pleasant days when the threat of the cold and the rain that seemingly fell unendingly outside seemed like more of a hassle than the hunger did. That was the pain of hunger, that a forest god of some past primordial age locked in the husk of an oak tree had promised Mildred her children would not feel. And yet they did. The two siblings had made an unspoken truce to ration what was left in the home and share the burden. 
It would have been easy for them to go and ask someone in the fort proper for food, but that was embarrassing. And if there was one thing the LaPont children inherited from their father, well, it was his unearned pride. Either way, Peggy and her older brother Tom weren't too worried. Not yet. There was still a fair amount of food in the pantry. Dry foods and preserved foods, as well as that nasty, disgusting jar of jerky that sat on the counter in the kitchen that the two siblings had been nibbling at. They could eat well if they wanted to, and they could satiate that hunger and numb that pain that screamed from the bottom of their gut, but if they did, they knew they'd go hungry when it really mattered. Being hungry while you're busy is easy, Peggy came to find. As long as she was moving, she only remembered she hadn't eaten that day half the time. And really, it was as good of an excuse as Peggy could have to stay out of the home. Even on the rainy days. The excuse of being too hungry to sit still for Peggy, more so than Tom, was enough to get her outside. She'd bundle up, laying her clothes strategically, trying to keep the most heat in and the most rain out without looking like a big fat bear. And then she'd dash out into the rain. It was the nights, though, when there was nothing to do, when it was too cold to roam and explore that were the hardest for Peggy. When she didn't need to eat, but her stomach growled and groaned, spasming and sending electricity up her torso. Now, that isn't to say they never ate. Of course, Tom and Peggy would share some boiled potatoes or a can of preserved peaches when life in the home became too uncomfortable to bear and when they felt they deserved it. But they ate them sparingly, and they didn't eat every meal, and on the days they ate, they didn't eat every meal of the day. And as terrible of a thing as being hungry is, it wasn't all bad. Not for Peggy, at least. Tom lay awake in bed. He'd had another nightmare, and now the sound of his little brother wailing in the night kept him awake. Tom felt the burning itch in his skin as frustration bubbled inside of him. He clenched his fist tight as he bit the inside of his cheek until he tasted copper. Tom breathed in sharply as the sharp pop of his canine bit through the soft, tough lining of his mouth. It sounded ridiculous even to him, but that brief moment of pain helped restart his mind, set it right, and away from being uncontrollably frustrated and anxious, and then being angry that he was frustrated and his anger made him anxious and his anxiety and his frustration. You see what I mean. Tom sat up on his bed. He hated sleeping with socks, but Tom could feel the dull freeze of cold blue toes. He knelt onto the floor, patting around for his socks before finding them and putting them on. Tom dragged the worn, musty blanket from his bed and threw it over his head and shoulders, twisting his arms tightly inside and drew the front clothes. Quietly and slowly, Tom walked out into the hallway, stepping close to the wall where the floorboards were more secure and away from the center which would creak and groan. It was a dance of sorts, as he pushed his weight from one foot to another and then pulling back his shoulder closest to the wall to maintain his center of gravity. 
before smoothly and with the control earned from the memorization of such movements in the fibers and tendons of his muscles, transferred his weight silently to the other side of the hallway. It was this skill which Tom LaPont had practiced and honed and masterfully deployed so often that allowed him to move around largely unseen. And because of that, he saw and knew much more than anyone thought he did. Tom's ability to move silent and smooth as a cat wasn't only confined to sneaking and lurking about his own home. He had learned to step on the roots of a tree with the balls of his feet. He'd meticulously practiced bending his foot at the ankle as it dropped down to avoid stepping on a twig, but then shifting his weight so as not to roll his ankle. In fact, he could run through the forest full tilt, no reservations, without the slightest of sounds. He'd learnt these skills not for spying or snooping or anything nefarious. No, it was much more mundane than that. He'd learnt them playing hide-and-seek throughout the fort with the other children growing up. Hide-and-seek in a small town is competitive, to say the least. Now those skills served him well, as he avoided his mother and his new baby brother, as he avoided the look in her eyes. She'd made a habit of eyeing him, spitting venom from the black pits of her pupils which dilated, furrowed beneath furious brows. Tom could see she saw his father and the bridge of his nose and the cut of his jaw, and he knew it pained her. So, instead of forcing Mildred, his mother, to confront that loss, he'd love her from a distance. But if Tom was being honest... That's what he'd always done. Loved from afar. Peggy, of course, was his mother's favorite. The way they'd whispered to each other and giggled, he'd always been on the outside. But that's what happens in a home sometimes. Against Mark and Mildred's best efforts, or at least their intentions, factions formed, and children were herded to one side of the fence or the other. As Mildred and her husband Mark drifted further and further apart, only being tied to one another by their ring fingers. Their children unknowingly chose sides. It wasn't some big decision or schoolyard picking of teams. No, it was as simple as Mark trying to make his father proud and going to work with him for the day during a summer a long, long time ago instead of staying home and having a picnic with Peggy and Mildred. Now, he didn't have to go, of course. He was only a child, but he wanted to go and he wanted his dad to be proud, and he thought by doing this that his mother would be proud of her hard-working son as well. But as far as Tom was concerned, as he saw it, that innocuous moment that happened on an unremarkable day that he otherwise had no other recollection of was the moment his mother picked Peggy over Tom. And that meant he was left with his father. And then there was Peggy herself. Weird, whispering, snickering little Peggy LaPont, the baby, the apple of her mother's eye, but as much as Tom resented her, she was also Peggy, his baby sister. Tom had reached the kitchen, unheard, Unseen and as hopeless as the night which brought him on his midnight crusade was, he smiled knowing no boy who ever lived was as quick and as quiet as the legend Tom LaPont. 
Reaching for the pantry door, Tom twisted the handle slowly, and just as the door began to swing away from the doorframe, guided by Tom's hand pulling the handle, Tom's other hand pressed against the thin spine of the door, applying just enough pressure to keep strain from the unoiled hinges which had a habit of whining. Tom stepped inside the pantry, quietly reaching his hand around to find a shelf to hold to and orient himself in the dark. Tom held his breath, his eyes watered, sweat broke all over his body, chilling quickly in the frigid air of the LaPont family home as his ears pricked, listening for the sound that someone might have heard him as unlikely as that was over the wailing of his baby brother. Tom bent down to rub away the pain in his big toe, which he'd stubbed in the dark. Patting just in front of his foot, Tom touched a cold long nail, half pulled from a board in the floor of the pantry. Tom shook his head silently. Just another quirk of a neglected home, he thought. Reaching up to the top shelf, where no one but himself could reach, where nothing was kept but the long, resting dust and perhaps the occasional mouse in the colder months when they hid inside. Behind an old potato sack, which he'd left as a preventative measure, Tom's hand closed around his treasure. Quietly and quickly, Tom closed the door to the pantry and maneuvering himself from wall edge to wall edge where the floor was most sturdy, as the excitement built in him trying as he may to keep it down to stay calm, cool, and collected, but quicker and quicker he went. Tom bounded up the stairs, his toes barely touching the floor, making not even a single noise. Peggy. Peggy. Peggy turned around to see Tom at the door with his blanket pulled up over his head and wrapped around him. He nodded, motioning for Peggy to follow him. But she didn't move, instead staring at him. Peggy didn't want to leave bed, and she didn't trust her brother Tom. Tom who didn't care. Tom who never cared. Tom who hated her. Tom who... Tom, seeing Peggy refusing to move, pulled his prize out so Peggy could see He slowly pulled back the ratty paper wrapping and revealed a solid bar of chocolate. Peggy's eyes widened and her jaw dropped ever so slightly before she managed to compose herself. As serene and as graceful as the moon, with an untelling face, Peggy, with as much dignity as she could muster, mirroring her brother grabbed the worn blanket from her bed and draped it over her head and wrapped it around her shoulders, twisting her arms inside and pulling it tight in front of her. The two silent midnight nomads, dressed for their treacherous journey, silently bobbed through the darkness, Peggy mirroring the motions of her brother weaving from side to side and making no noise. Tom approached the front door, and as silently and with the same method of relieving the stress on the hinges that he had used in the pantry... He slowly and meticulously opened the front door, waving Peggy through with his left hand, waving whimsically shrouded beneath the blanket. Peggy hesitated, feeling the burst of cold air rush past her ankles as the door opened, but hopped and skipped outside with the promise of chocolate urging her forward. Tom followed after closing the door and sat on the top step of the porch. Peggy sat down beside him. 
Their breath hung eagerly in the air as Tom rummaged with the wrapping on the chocolate bar, opening it and crudely biting off a piece between his teeth, careful not to get spit on it before dropping it in his hand and presenting it to Peggy. Peggy waited for Tom to bite off a chunk for himself as they sat shivering on the front step. Together they raised and cheers their bitten off chunks of chocolate and began to enjoy their midnight snack. Tom and Peggy, although not outwardly loving, showed their respect and reverence for one another in moments like that, ritualizing a chunk of bitter baking chocolate before eating it in small nibbles, as much savoring the chocolate as they were savoring the time with one another, united under the common cause of food. I dreamt about him again, Peggy. Don't, she whispered back. Tom looked at her in shock for a moment. She spoke to him. She had actually just said words to him she never had before, or rather rarely enough that it felt like never. Not wanting to make a big deal out of it, though, Tom continued. Do you ever think about him? It was silent for a long, uncomfortable moment. You promised. I know, I know, I just... Sometimes I just need to know that you remember him. I do. You know I love you, right? Peggy said nothing. I love you and I won't let anything like that ever happen to you. That was a promise Tom wouldn't be able to keep. But Peggy's eyes welled. Her throat pinched in that all-too-familiar way and she wrestled to find the words to say I love you back to her older brother, who she until now was convinced hated her and thought of her as a burden. Why? Why don't you care? Care about what? Dad. What about him? Peggy didn't understand. She didn't understand why Tom never cared. How couldn't he care about his father dying? Maybe that's why she couldn't say it, why she wouldn't say I love you. If he couldn't at least pretend to care about their father, how could he be telling the truth about loving her? Peggy, I care. Of course I care. But he died at work, and it's been months now. And work in the mill is a dangerous job. Accidents happen. You know, I cried, I... I cried a lot, but I've come to grips with it. Peggy sat there stunned. Work. Work? He hadn't died at work. He died in the middle of the night. Peggy knew this because Peggy had killed him. She couldn't tell who was crazy, Tom or herself. She honestly didn't know what to believe anymore. And the baby baby. You you mean William? You mean your baby brother? He isn't our brother, Tom. What? He isn't our brother. Tom sat there, staring at Peggy with wide eyes. She could see shadows swirling in the depths of his eyes as if something wrestled inside of him, something struggling to keep control of him, 
bending his thoughts, hiding the truth, concealing that terrible truth that Tom was already all too willing to ignore. I remember mom and dad telling us we were getting a baby brother. Even as Tom said it, Peggy could see he didn't believe it. She could see tears well up in his eyes. Dad didn't die at work either, Tom. Tom silently sat beside Peggy, confused. He hadn't questioned these things he knew to be true, but no sooner had Peggy said the words, He isn't our brother, than it seemed to Tom as if all of what he knew to be true about his father's passing, about their beloved brother William, all felt like a poorly written child story. They sat together in silence, Peggy staring at Tom without blinking, radiating strength, more strength and more bravery than the moon like she'd promised herself. Watching Tom come to grips with his own thoughts, with his own mind. It wasn't your fault, Peggy. I don't know what happened to Dad, but... But it wasn't your fault. Tom raised his head, staring back at Peggy with clear eyes. I know. If William isn't really our little brother, well, then what is he? I, I don't know. It amazed Peggy. Although she wouldn't show it on her untelling and unflinching face, Tom still didn't seem to care. She'd had a thousand questions, which all led to a thousand more questions, and here Tom was, accepting what she said, as if he'd known it all along. Maybe he had, though, Peggy thought in her childlike way. Perhaps a fog had been blown into his ear while he slept, like the whisper that had spoken to her and tricked her. A fog that, in its deception, had divulged some penultimate, some last and final truth, the keystone to all the chaos which had emanated from the LaPont home, the cradle of madness. You know, I think I smell snow in the air said Tom, smirking a little as he took to nibbling his bitter baking chocolate once more, rolling it around in his mouth as if it were some imported delicacy from a far-off place. Piggy said no more. They hadn't spoken this much in, well, ever, and Piggy found herself just as confused as ever before. Who was Tom? He was her older brother, but beyond that she knew nothing apart from the scant few memories she had of them ever spending time together. Tom knew more than he'd say, more than he'd trust little Peggy with, not knowing her as well, not knowing the terrible things she'd endured and what she had seen, and not understanding that he couldn't protect her like he'd promised. But maybe, just maybe they could protect each other, if only they'd be honest let each other in and trust one another. The last few weeks had been one unending nightmare, and like Tom had been one who had not seen what was there for those willing to look. Peggy too had not seen that autumn had turned to winter. Nibbling her own bitter piece of chocolate, nearly inedible, but which had been lovingly stowed away for a special occasion and given to her by her older brother, Peggy watched 
as the first snow drifted from the sky. At first it fell on the wet and partially frozen mud at the bottom of the porch steps, dissolving into the dirty brown mess, but as Tom and Peggy sat there, longer than either of them had intended, they watched as the snow began to collect and build, and soon the world was silent, dampened, and quiet. As the two of them sat together, huddled in their blankets, each looking just as ridiculous as the other, Peggy and Tom finally finished their tiny pieces of chocolate. Neither wanted to move. Moving would mean going back to bed, and going back to bed meant another day to come, another day they'd have to be hungry, another day they'd have to survive, and another day with the unending cries of a thing that was not their brother William driving them closer to the brink of insanity. Happy birthday, Peggy. She wanted to reach out and hug her brother, but instead rested her head on his shoulder for a moment. She hadn't even remembered it was her own birthday. In that moment, with those three small words, she felt a little less alone. The two got up, their teeth chattering and clacking together from the freezing cold, and as quietly as they had exited the LaPont family home, they once again entered and went to bed. Bravo! Blind little boy, not willing to see, too afraid to face what bites and chops at your face. And brave little whisper, braver than the moon, and clever too, whose home whisper blew away the fog. How touching. The man in the cave, who was not in the cave but sitting on a wood chopping block no more than fifteen feet from where Tom and Peggy had sat, stood up and stretched as he turned, having seen the tragedy of Tom and Peggy played out before him. Today's episode was written and performed by Cole Weavers. Sound production and editing by Matt Black. Our theme song is by the amazing Charlie P.S. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter at the town whispers now the fort is a town like no other and there are many things to discover for those who are willing to see those who are willing to listen to the words and the vowels and the consonants made by the whistles in the wind have you considered joining us at the town hall which you can find at patreon at www.patreon.com slash the town whispers The town council has been diligent enough to go to the Patreon and set up goals that include digital rewards, as well as physical for those first few who walk through the streets of the fort. Have you signed and sealed your citizenship to the fort by visiting us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter at The Town Whispers? If you haven't, you might want to do so. There we will be divulging secrets of a different kind 
such as Patreon-exclusive storylines, additional short stories, merch and swag, and much more to come. So make sure if you are one who is willing to face a thing with no face, that you meet us at patreon.com slash thetownwhispers. For more information on the show, head on over to www.thetownwhispers.com. on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns